Thank you so much for being on the show today with me, Jason. Oh, thanks for having me. Uh, It's my pleasure. And so I was just telling you now that I have been following your work for many years now, and I have learned so much from you. And what I found so interesting was the fact that you constantly say, and this really relates to what I do, that you don't fix bodies, you fix minds. And that resonates with me so much. And it's a message that I want women to hear, because as you know, there's a lot of uh, BS out there for weight loss and stuff. So I would love if you could start by talking about what you do and how you got to where you are. It's kind of a big question, but take it where you want to go. Yeah. Well, on that point that you just made about, you know, it not being about uh, bodies, but it being about minds, it's interesting. There are a couple of different points I can make on that. I mean, first off, it's like the fat loss part is easy. If you give me a body and let me pull the brain out of it and put it in a box somewhere for a while, I'll give you that body back in bikini body condition every time. But when you put the the brain back in it, likely they're going to gain the weight back. And it's the thing is, is that there's this sort of disconnect in a lot of women's minds because I talk to a lot of women each week and um, for the first time, you know, in just in my business and bringing people into the various ways that I do coaching. And I, I literally never, ever, ever seem to be able to find a woman who will say that she's never lost and regained weight. And obviously, I am a coach where people would come to me looking for a weight loss, but they'll say things to me like, you know, I'll ask them straight up right in the beginning, how many, how many times have you lost and regained at least 10 pounds? And they'll say um, – you know, I 10, sometimes once every year of my adult life, the minimum yeah. is usually, well, at least two or three times, mm-hmm. at least two or three times. And then I'm like, okay, so what do you want from me? And they and they go, well, I want you to teach me how to lose weight. And I'm like, you, but you're, you're great at that. Yeah. You're really good at losing weight. And that, that always just stumps them. They're like, I never really thought about it like this. Like you're really good at losing weight. What you're not good at is not quitting or being able to create sustainable change. So to answer your question, I started, um, well, a long time ago, uh, getting towards a couple of decades ago now, uh, just as your standard everyday personal trainer, moved right into very quickly into uh, nutrition geek, ended up in the paleo world, was um, which I kind of think all roads, if you really read the read the literature, all roads when you're studying nutrition end up at a place that looks at evolutionary biology. And so I, yeah, so I um, ended up uh, working with Sarah Fragoso of Everyday Paleo. Her and I had a podcast together. We were traveling around the country doing doing seminars, um, wrote my first book, uh, which was in the paleo world back then, did fairly well. And uh, Sarah and I were saying, that's where we started saying that, um, you know, our, our jobs are about about minds, not bodies. And then I created an, a diet called Alt Shift. And um, I put it out. And two days after we put it out, we, uh, we um, created an Alt Shift Facebook group. And what happened over the next couple of months was just like, just shocking. It was every day there were multiple people posting before and after pictures of these amazing results. Just unbelievable. It's just crazy. And people are like, I can't believe it. This is working so well and I feel great. And almost all of those people quit. Mm -hmm. And then they would come back sometimes within the next couple of weeks, sometimes within months, sometimes it would take them a year or two. And oftentimes they would literally ask me why they quit. They'd say, I, it works so well. I felt good. I was, I, I, I was full of energy. It was easy. It wasn't even hard to do this. It wasn't like I was starving myself or anything. It was just everything was perfect, and I quit. Why did I quit? And in that moment, I knew as soon as that started to happen, I just knew that this isn't about a protocol. People have in the weight loss world, the world over, are asking for you to teach them how to lose weight. Well, even if they don't say it, what they want is something that they can feel good doing, something that's easy for them to do, and something that they can they can do for a long enough time to per, be able to perpetuate new habits to keep the weight off forever. So they may not say all of those things, but that's what they want. And that's what I had given them, and they quit anyway. So I knew without question, this will never be about the protocol. So we had to start asking the question, why do people quit? 
And I was all, already working with a uh, psychologist, prominent psychologist, and now good friend of mine, uh, Robert Beeswas Diener. He's got a huge career, talks all over the world, and written multiple books. Um, just awesome guy. Uh, his dad is Ed Diener, who I think right now is the 19th most cited psychologist in history. So he comes from wow. good psychologist stock, too. And we had been meeting on a regular basis and just sort of ferreting out this question, trying to figure out why do people quit? We're looking at evolutionary biology, evolutionary psychology, cognitive behavioral therapy, positive psychology, and and positive psychology coaching and all of that. And we're finding all of these reasons that – um, are, you know, the things like I deserve a treat, I don't deserve success. The way that people try to diet is not like the way they try to learn any other skill. Um, there's this perfectionist mentality and, you know, the routine. Everybody knows the routine. I start a brand new diet. I eventually eat a cookie. I feel like I've ruined something. I throw the baby out with the bathwater and then I go get a different diet and a different guru. Because despite the fact that thoughts in my head are what made me go go off the rails, a new diet will solve that problem. And so it's really about opening people's eyes to what really makes them fail. But out of all of that research came um, my book, Body Beliefs, which did very well after a short period of time. But after about six months, I spent quite a while giving copies of it away. But it still ended up with... Uh, I think there's 76 reviews for it on Amazon right now and 5.0 stars. So it was very yeah, well accepted. It, it's an amazing book. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Very well accepted. Very awesome. I was super stoked. Body Beliefs, Women, Weight Loss, and Happiness. And um, that book took me into this new new place where I was I was reaching women in a brand new way. And then I combined those two things into some coaching programs, which is where um, the, the evolution of that – is where I'm at now, and um, I feel like we're doing good work. But like I said, it's um, it, it's a different approach. It's sometimes a hard sell. The average woman that I work with is over 40, which is, makes me very sad because um, not that I don't want to help those women, but it's quite obvious that typically women have to go out there and, and break to a certain degree oh, yes. before they're susceptible to mm -hmm. my message. Because when you're 25, you need to lose, you know, 10 pounds by Saturday because that's when your date is, and um, it, you know, the the message is I can't stand myself, and if I can't lose weight that quick, I'm going to be even worse to myself. Mm. And so it's really frustrating. But um, but I, the the I think the big, the big question, the big thing that I do now, where we start, is with that question: Why do you want to lose weight? And um, I don't mean like you need to find your why and that trite stuff that uh, oftentimes gets passed around in, in our world where uh, it's somebody that isn't really interested in talking about that throws out something that, that uh, you know sounds like a nice Instagram meme. Mm -hmm. But when, we ask, when I ask women why do they want to lose weight, why do you want to lose weight, typically I get some sort of stuttering. It's well, you have to want to – everybody, you know, the media says that and, and then at the end, the result is typically – I'd be more confident. I'd feel more confident. I'd feel better about myself, something like that. So, yeah, some sort of result or outcome that doesn't have to yeah. do with the body. Right. So, yeah. So, my point then is like, so when you go to a psychologist and you say, hey, hey, doc, I'd like to learn how to, uh, to, to be more confident, she always tells you every time, okay, well, how are you eating? Because we got to get your weight down. People who are overweight can't be confident. Of course not. Of course, that isn't what's said. Of course, the health self-help books about confidence don't talk about pant size. And of course, there are people bigger than you who are more confident than you and smaller than you who are less confident, mm -hmm. confident than you. So I say, so what, you know, what are you going to get? What is physically going to happen to you? Well, I, I would feel that, no, 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 don't, no, don't, no feelings, no thoughts. What's going to happen? Are you going to get a raise? Is a sick loved one suddenly going to get well? Are your kids going to make honor roll? No, none of that. So let's cut to the chase. Two or three people are going to walk by you in the hallway at work or wherever you hang out, church, whatever, and they're going to say, hey, you look like you lost weight. And that's it. That's the end of it. And the thing is, is that those compliments very well will, could make that worse 
depending on um, what your motivations are. Because oftentimes people will get those compliments and that does produce a dopamine response and they call, those compliments feel good. And you place a ton of value on the fact that some people blew some air at you. They blew air over their vocal cords and said something to you. Mm. And you've got all this value wrapped up in that. So then you end up um, trying to figure out how you're going to make more of that happen. And oftentimes people get more and more desperate or when the compliments don't come in, they get more and more hopeless. One way or the other, the compliments cannot be the reason why you do this. It absolutely will not sustain this. But aside from those people saying some things to you, the real reason that almost every, and when I say almost every, I mean like one out of every two or 300 women that I work with will not fall into this category. But almost every single woman who is pursuing weight loss is doing so because she hopes that it will make her be less mean to herself. Yeah. So the, the, there's nobody in her world saying it. And if there is, they don't, they shouldn't count. And if she stops and thinks about it, they really don't. You got some crappy people when you were a kid in school, maybe a mom who constantly told you that you needed to be on a diet, something like that. Nonetheless, what you have is either bad people or people in those moments behaving badly. In other words, you don't get to tell the rest of us. My mom every day told me I was fat and have us go, oh, wow, I really want to meet your mom. She sounds amazing. (laughs) Now, you may still love your mom, but nonetheless, that is bad behavior. So you're either taking people who are just outright bad or people at their worst, and you're using that to narrate your life. But the rest of the time, nothing's happening. When you walk into a room and everybody looks at you and you go, these people are all judging me because I look disgusting, you have exactly as many facts to jump to that conclusion as you do to jump to the conclusion that these people all think I'm gorgeous. They're all literally picturing me naked because of how beautiful I am. You could be jumping to that conclusion, but you're not. So the, the idea that I am going to, I'm going to change the way my body looks and then I will be good enough for me, for my own self-abuse, obviously doesn't make any sense. And we can relate this really easily. We can turn this into an analogy by using like your kid. You know, if you have a child, could you imagine waking up every morning, looking at that kid and going, oh, God, you're such a disappointment. I don't know how you let yourself get to this place. I mean, you should be ashamed for not having tried harder to not become the person that you are right now. And where we're around other kids, I literally just don't even think you could possibly be like them. But these are the cards that we've been dealt. This is as good as it's going to get. So let's go make the best of this and try to eat a good breakfast or something. And maybe we can turn you into somebody that I can actually love. That, I mean, that's disgusting, horrible child abuse. And yet it is exactly the methodology that most of the women I work with are trying to use to sculpt themselves into something beautiful. And occasionally a woman will say, oh, I'm not that bad to myself. But when we dig, they kind of are. They'll say things to themselves like, oh, I need to change this shirt because it makes me look fat. And I dare you to say that to a friend or your child. Go change that shirt. You look fat. You would just would never, ever, ever. So in the end, they're extrinsically motivated. They think, I need to lose weight, but they don't know what they expect to happen when they lose weight, other than they're hoping that they'll escape some of their own self-abuse. But what that means is that all of the changing is a burden. You contrast that to something that you're intrinsically motivated to do. Like, let's say you were going to try to go become a great golfer. You would never have said to yourself, oh, I hate golfing. I can't stand it. I don't want to touch a golf club. I don't want to touch a golf ball. I don't want to touch a golf course. But... If I can just go through all of this horrible crap to get to a place where I can golf at five over par, oh, everybody's going to love me and I'm going to mm. be so confident. It's really only like, when you compare it like that that it sounds so distorted. Right. You know? And so, so nobody's learning this skill of health. They're putting themselves through this torture for something that they have never even examined. Anybody that, that I mean, anybody being honest with themselves and really examining it will see that what they're shooting for has literally never happened to a single person around them. You don't know any woman anywhere who only changed the way she looks, did not do any work on her head, only changed the way she looks, and now she is super confident and loves herself if she used to just hate her body before. And it's asinine to think that that would happen. But these questions aren't typically being asked. There's just this sort of undercurrent of emotion that isn't being delved into. And 
I'm that guy that helps you analyze those things so that you can change those thoughts so that the things that you do become extremely easy. I mean, focusing on, you know, what should I eat this food? Should I not eat that food? How many calories, carbs, fats, whatever? It's all completely irrelevant if you're going to be off the rails two weeks from now. It doesn't matter if you go paleo, vegan, carnivore, or all sugar. I mean, who cares? You're only doing this for two weeks and then you're going to quit. And that's the pattern that most people have lived on, you know, this entire time. And they just keep going, okay, this time I'm going to go try to lose weight again. It's, and it's kind of an analogy I came up with a couple of weeks ago is it's like you buy a car and you drive it and you love it. You're like, this is a great car. I really like this car. And a couple of weeks in, you purposely make a decision and crash that car into a tree. And you've done that four times before and you just did it a couple of weeks ago and you think you're ready to buy a new car and you think the answer is maybe this time I'll get a Toyota. That'll solve it. Mm. And it's nonsense. The problem isn't the car. It's that you keep crashing it into a tree and you're going to have to address that part if you want to want to have long-term success. But in order to have long-term success, you have to do all of this because you are awesome and because you deserve it, just like the way you treat your kids. You know, you don't, you, you don't, uh, for example, feed your kids a good lunch because you fed them a good breakfast and because you f- intend to feed them a good dinner. And if you can string together enough of these, then you can go measure something and see if they're better. That's not what you do. You feed them a good lunch because they're worth it. They deserve it. They're awesome. And you treat them as such. And you have to be able to do that for yourself. If you do all of this in order to try to become awesome, well, failure is the name of that game pretty much every time. I I don't think I can point to a case in all my years of doing this where a woman was able to stay at war with her body, change her body, and then have that change her perspective enough to create sustainable fat loss but also happiness or even either one of those things by themselves. I can pretty much say that I've never seen that, and what does ensue is what everybody's doing, and it's called yo-yo dieting. Exactly, and and you know I you know I'm over here like clapping in the background with everything that you're saying because <laughs> that was me for a really long time. I'm 33 now, but from the time that I was, I think probably eight years old, I started thinking about dieting and mm. thinking about losing weight and. For a period in my maybe late teens and 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 twenties, I spent years like where literally every waking moment was spent either thinking about food, manipulating my food, um, doing a ton of cardio to get to my quote unquote goal weight. Like my entire existence was focused on that, and then I got to it, and it was the most disappointing moment of my life because it didn't do anything. Yeah, well, the world didn't lay down at your feet. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, oh, all of the years of effort in order for this to happen, and then nothing happened. And then that yeah. was the moment, wh- like, I didn't think differently about myself. And well, one, I think one of the, oh, sorry, I no, didn't mean to interrupt ahead. you. Yeah, no, like, uh, I, I didn't think differently about myself. And that was the turning point for me of like, wow, there's other stuff involved here. Yeah. And I think one of the saddest things that I see consistently, especially in younger women, it it perpetuates into the older women that I end up working with, but I don't know that it has such a big effect, but it's this whole big misunderstanding about attraction. And I can crystal clear see where it comes from. But if I pin down any woman that I work with, especially younger women, and I try to, and I ask them, what attraction is, what would it be like if they were attractive? They will every single time describe physical beauty to me. They will just describe physical beauty. What, what makes a person attractive? But yet that is not at all what they do or what they know other people do in relationships. When you see two people who are married, happily married and love each other deeply, you would, you would think it was ridiculous and silly if somebody said they're together because they both think each other are pretty. Uh, and of course that's not the case. I mean, they, they do, they're physically attracted to each other. Sure. But they're confidants. They go to each other for advice. They're the people that they can trust. They want to stay awake at night and, and, and talk with the people that they want to be with when there's no other people around, just the two of them on vacations, things like that. The people that they, they are, are, are taking on this world with, and there are so many other factors involved in that. 
And what I watch happen over and over again, especially in the younger women, is that they distill attraction down to physical beauty. And I understand why. Because when you're young, when you're 16 to you know 25, the males around you are walking vials of testosterone. And it's sad because that's the message that the women get and it gets firmly ingrained in them. But those boys are going to grow out of that and they're going to become the men that these women want. But when it gets distilled down to this by nature, this natural, this uh, nasty little trick that nature pulls on these women, the women will decide that they're unattractive. So you hear a story like this. I didn't get asked out to prom because I was fat. Really? Are you positive of that? Are you positive it wasn't because you decided you were fat? I am unattractive. So I carry myself that way. I make darting eye contact. I sometimes laugh at, at, at insecure spots in conversations. I oftentimes have my, he- my headphones on and my eyes on the ground. And overall, I am telling the world, don't approach me. I'm unattractive. And then the world goes, okay, well, yeah, you're doing a pretty good job of being unattractive. And then the woman goes, see, I told you I'm not pretty. Mm-hmm. And if the world could answer, they'd go, well, wait a minute. We didn't say anything about you not being pretty. We said you're unattractive. A physical attraction, at the end of the day, when you're talking about you know love, long-term relationships, what most women deeply want to be attractive for, physical beauty probably comes down to something like 20 to 25% of it. I mean, I, I dearly love my wife. I am immensely physically attracted to her, but that is not the thing that's on my mind the majority of the time when I want to be near her, when I want to have her next to me, when I miss her, when she's not around. And so... Women distill attraction down to this one small part of what attraction is, and then they use that, their decision that they don't have that, to destroy all the rest of it. And they lose their confidence and their, you know, their, their uh, ability to interact and give advice and engage and make good eye contact and look like good listeners and all of this stuff because we can tell that you're sitting there freaking out because you think everybody hates you. And you've done that based on the size of your pants. So you go, I'm not pretty. And then you make yourself unattractive. And it's, it's heartbreaking and something that I've worked extremely hard and will continue to work extremely hard on with my three little girls. Yes. Uh, and I want to talk a little bit later about how you approach eating and movement with your girls in, in a healthy way, because I think that that's something else that's so essential for, you know, the climate of the world right now. Um, Mm -hmm. But something that you talk about that you've mentioned a little bit now is that the fact that we are amazing and awesome, like literally every human uh, and already uh, worthy is something that's our birthright. And I, Mm. I honestly didn't know that. I thought that I had to strive to do stuff. And I speak to many women that have that same issue. You know, I need to get that body in order to feel confident, like we've said um, before. And I know that that's Mm. something that you teach the people or you talk to people about the fact that if you love yourself right now and because you are worthy of it already, because you're amazing, then all of these things that are so difficult, you know, eating protein and, and salads and foods that make you feel amazing, the body will come as a side effect. Yeah, yeah, and it is a side effect. It's yes. We'll talk about on, that a little bit. Yeah, focusing on fat is, um, I mean, it's something that I have to put out there. Like weight loss is something that attracts people in, but it, it's always kind of seemed silly to me. I mean, like why aren't you tracking the suppleness of your skin or the thickness of your hair or your hormones or your mood or your energy levels or all of these other things that are great when a body is in peak health? And remember when I say peak health, I mean like actually living with vitality, not just simply the absence of disease like the medical community would measure health. But when you see a body and you go, well, everybody listening to this right now, just picture a body in absolute peak health. I guarantee you not one person is thinking about a body that's got a bunch of excess fat on it. If you are, you've been too brainwashed by the medical community. And when I said picture a body in peak health, you started thinking about blood work numbers. But that's not what I mean. I mean vitality health, physical capacity, feeling great, hitting your feet to the floor. Yeah. Putting your feet on the floor each morning and going, oh yes, another day being me. That is that vitality that, that, that only always means 
bodies that look great too. And so the pursuit of weight loss, this, this is a, this one might come as a shock to, to people. And some people will want to argue this at first, but hear me out. Losing weight will not make you healthier. Yes, I just said that. <laughs> Losing weight will not make you healthier. And your doctor will probably try to disagree on this front because he needs to hear me out too, or she needs to hear me out too. It, being overweight is an indication that you are not in peak health. And when you say things like, well, losing weight, I lost weight and my blood pressure went down. No, you lost weight and your blood pressure went down as you got healthier. Those are both indications. They may be slightly causal one way or the other, but overall, the whole problem is solved when we aim at peak health rather than picking one weird thing to aim at and pretending that we can, we can solve all the problems that way. Now, this correlation does not work the other way. And I think everybody knows that there are very, very unhealthy ways to lose weight. You could get thrown in a concentration camp. You could get cancer or you could just simply starve yourself. Those are very unhealthy ways to make weight go down. But if you get healthier and you lose weight, you're losing weight in a way that you can keep it. You're losing weight in a way that is sustainable. I pursue health and, oh, look, people start telling me that I look good. That's not what I was trying to do because I had bigger fish to fry. I had bigger things to do, far more important things, things that make me look better and produce this gigantic list of amazing benefits, including a better relationship with myself. But the, the focus on weight loss is, is sometimes, um, you know, grading. It's like, I just want to be like, why are you so focused on that piece when every, it, it is just simply an indication that you are healthier and to not realize that leaves you always in this precarious place where you're just about to do something else crazy that could make everything else fall apart all because you've got to get that number down. And that's when we go back to, why do you want that number down? Well, I just, ah, ah, and there's this desperation. This, I, I need that number down. Well, why? What's going to happen? I don't know, but yeah. I need it. Well, it's easier to focus on the number than to focus on the fact that maybe somebody is not feeling confident or worthy in the moment. You know, so that's something tangible that they can control versus dealing with that underlying issue, which is the real issue. Yeah. And how interesting is it that it's all just thoughts? Yes. I mean, if we, if we were able to give you amnesia today, we could basically just fill you in today on a brand new past and just tell you that, you know, your whole life, everybody has just always told you how beautiful you were. And just like that, in a blink of an eye, you would be confident about your body. And so you're doing all of this inside your own skull. People are saying, but I don't like myself. How do I, how do I just like myself? Well, first off, prove to me why you shouldn't like yourself. Like pretend that you're, you know, in a jury before a jury of your peers and you've got to convince us that you're not lovable the way you are, that you need to be changed to be loved. Well, I've, I've quit a lot of things. Okay. So you're a person. Now, uh, what else? Um, well, I, my dad used to tell me that I was, I was fat all the time. Okay. So again, you're a person, lots of people gone through that. You, I, I have thoughts each day that say that I'm bad. Okay. Now we're nailing it down. Mm. Now we're figuring out the, what the real problem is. And you just simply have to start engaging with those thoughts through mindfulness. And yes, the process is hard. It takes a long time. Sometimes people will go three to six months of really working hard on this stuff before they make any real big progress where they start to go, wow, I'm starting to really feel different. But you don't get to just sidestep this yes. because if you just go out and lose the weight and you stay with this mentality, I mean, if you could, miracle of miracles, if you could keep the weight off, which you probably can't even get to the goal, but like you said, you did. But if you if you can get to the goal and manage to keep it off, it isn't going to matter. You're going to do what everybody else has done that you've seen right in your face. Those people will whip out a magnifying glass, get closer to the mirror, and, and keep complaining. It mm -hmm. used to be my weight. Now it's my stretch marks. And usually there's this desperation that says, why didn't this work? Just, yes. just slightly below the conscious level. Why didn't this work? Why don't I love me? Why doesn't everybody else love me? This was supposed to work. And that's what happened to you. Yes. 
And as something that I love that you talk about, I think it was in body beliefs were these exercises that you have women do, where I would love to give the listeners some of your tangible steps of, uh, you have them write a letter to their body. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a list. Um, and if I give away all the steps of this, it won't work when they do it. But, um, to, I have them start out by writing out a list of the, all of the reasons that they, uh, that they believe they, that caused their low body image. So they start writing out every single thing that, you know, this person said that my mom was this way. My grandmother was like this, this boy in seventh grade, my ex-boyfriend, everything. They just write down every single individual situation with every single person that they can remember. And again, I can't, if, if I tell them the next steps, it will give away, um, the, uh, the point of this, but the point of the exercise is not to look at that. And I can't believe how many women have gotten hung up there. I should have made it more clear in the book, how many women get hung up on that. And they think that that is the point of the exercise. And then they're like getting teary eyed and they're having to address all this stuff. And, and I'm like, that's not the point. Make your list and then move on to step two. And we will start being able to dig into this in ways that make it, uh, make it so that you can actually deal with this in a completely different headspace. Because you have to get to a place where you see the facts without the emotion. And that inevitably is always the problem. It's, I have thoughts. And there are only two things that cause emotions. It's either thoughts or hormones. So I have thoughts that generate emotions that are invalid, but I keep those anyway. Like I feel bad because I'm in a room full of strangers and I don't look good. Well, what the only facts are you're in a room full of strangers and you feel bad, but everything else, the reason why you feel bad and the fact that you don't look good, that's not a fact. It's an opinion. We all get to decide that for ourselves. We, we all get to choose whether or not we want to think you look good. And what you're really doing is kind of being a jerk because what if all these people could read your mind and you walked into a room and went, um, so, uh, I'm overweight and I don't really think I look very good. And you guys are all a bunch of judgmental jerks. So right now you're picking me apart, deciding you don't want to be my friend, don't want to get to know me. And you're doing all of that based on my weight. They'd be like, what the, are you, what the, well, we, we didn't do anything to you. Why are you calling us such jerks? And then when I ask women, well, do you do that? Do you, when you walk into a room, do you look at people, look around and you, you know, you look at bodies, not to compare them to your own body, but to decide whether or not you want to like somebody. And if you see somebody who's got 30 pounds to lose, you think to yourself, Oh God, hope I don't have to be her friend. Well, no, I would never do that. Okay. So who is doing that? Well, uh, bad people, right? Yeah. Bad people. So what you're saying is you walk into rooms full of strangers and then you feel terrible sometimes for hours later because you want bad people to like you. That's your logic. Well, no, not, not really. Okay. So what we need to do is get you to a place where you start working on the thought. I walk into a room and I go, Oh my God, I don't like the way I look right now. And it, Whoa, Whoa, what am I doing? What do I expect this is going to do for me? If I stand here and beat myself up for 10 minutes, am I more likely to interact with these people well? Or maybe I'm more likely to make a good decision about my dinner tonight. Maybe get some good good exercise in today and take really good care of myself. All of that becomes more likely after a good butt whipping from myself, right? No, of course not. So this thought is nonsense and now I'm going to think about something else and there are a billion things to think about. Remember that dog I had when I was 10? I wonder what so-and-so is doing this weekend. Hey, I like that lady's shirt. What are we going to be doing two hours from now? There's a vacation coming up. That's going to be fun. You could be thinking about anything in the world, but you are deciding to kick the crap out of yourself. And once you can take responsibility for that, you can fix it. Yes. Well, it's awareness and and have new habits as well, because I think that we can be so accustomed to just having that be our normal that sometimes we can go our whole lives still thinking that way. Um, something yeah. else, something else that I would love to talk to you about is, um, the fact that healthy bodies require, especially for women, uh, a good amount of food. Many of the yeah. women, many of the women that come to me think are eating, you know, maybe 1300 calories cannot mm-hmm. lose any weight and they just think that they need to cut this cut it down more and more. Now I've heard you talk about this a lot and I've recently gone through something where I've focused on strength training for the past year. I've uh put on a ton of muscle 
and I feel amazing. And now my body requires a lot more food, but Mm. I stay losing fat and getting stronger. And I'm probably eating like 2,100 calories, which I never thought was possible before. It sort of like blows my mind that this happened. And it's something that I've heard you talk about a lot. So I would love if you could, for the listeners out there that maybe aren't eating that much, that are resistant to strength training, why it's so important to feed yourself in order to have a sustainable relationship with food and your body. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I have produced... maybe at this point thousands of of literally testimonials where there were photos involved let alone you know just the people that i've heard from and um the amount of times that i've purposely reduced somebody's calories in the last decade i wouldn't even need all of the fingers on one hand there are some been some very rare cases where when everything else was lined up this person was doing absolutely everything right which means they've been nailing it for at least 6 months sometimes longer then we might have to look at calories for some you know something very specific but typically the word the words uh, overeating or the word overeating isn't something that i ever even say except in this context here where I say that I never say it because um, those things all come out in the wash once a person actually gets metabolically healthy. Now, the problem with vilifying calories, you know, like what you used to do, doing all the cardio, trying to eat less, burning calories with your exercise, all that kind of stuff. The problem with vilifying calories is that it teaches your body a really strong lesson. And the lesson is life on earth sucks. There's not a lot of food to go around and something's always trying to kill us. So, uh, what we need to do is adapt and your body is an amazing adaptation machine. It's so wonderful. I hate to hear women being with their bodies when their bodies are so amazing. If they just give their bodies what their bodies want, but the, when, when your body starts to think that life sucks, it'll do a, a few things biochemically that, um, will really start to mess things up for you. First off, it will make it so that it's easier to get, stored calories into the fat cells. So you upregulate things like lipoprotein lipase at the fat cell. Now, I'm not, I don't want to get too scientific here, make everybody's eyes glaze over. But basically, it's like we, you, you create a situation where anything blowing by in the bloodstream that can be pulled into the fat cell will be. And the reason why is because you are in this famine. So you've taught your body that fat is the most important thing you've got. You've got to get through this horrible, stressful life. So we hoard fat. We reduce muscle mass if we can. You lose the muscle mass. And you see this in like marathon runners. Uh, you have the sinewy little people at the starting line who are there to win, and that's their sport. I've got no problem with those guys. Everybody else is thinking to themselves, if I just add a little bit more mileage each week, I'll probably be able to lose this belly fat. And they're always you know, typically a little bit squishy around the middle. And when they're not, when they're finally not squishy and they're, everything's hard, they're very, very tiny very sinewy, tiny little people because their body has dumped all the muscle mass that it possibly can, hoarding that midsection fat, and now it's finally being forced to let go of that midsection fat. The other thing that happens is that um, you, the thyroid will turn down your furnace. It'll say, we've got to save energy for these stress events. So the thyroid stops kicking out uh, the uh, hormones necessary to make you, to give you lots of energy throughout the day. And then you'll eventually likely go to the doctor, doctor will test it and he'll go, oh, your thyroid's not performing. And they'll give you drugs to kick that thyroid and make it perform better, even though it's doing exactly what you told it to do. You told it that life is hard and it turned down the furnace to keep you alive. And so now you're kicking that thyroid, trying to get more, more juice out of it. And that typically doesn't make body fat go down much, but sometimes it'll make women feel a little bit better. But it also makes it oftentimes difficult for them to – they have to have a doctor that's willing to work with them to get off of those medications in a lot of cases. I don't want anybody that's on them to feel hopeless. You absolutely can get healthy again. But what happened is you went and got treatment when you needed to get healthy and see what was left. But those two things happen. You like you upregulate your ability to hold on to fat and you downregulate the uh, the energy expenditure in your body and you don't have any energy and you're storing more and more fat. And if you are starving yourself to the degree that you're seeing any results in you getting smaller, these are the people that can say, you know, I went to this birthday party and I had some cake 
And uh, like the next day I could see it on my, on my butt or my thighs and you, they literally can, that would never happen to a healthy body, but it does in a body like that because that body's trying to get back to homeostasis and it thinks that homeostasis is a place with a bunch more fat on it so it can survive this famine. So they eat something like that and bam, they can see it in their, on their body. And it's just this place where you're going to regain the weight. It's going to come back the very first time you get an opportunity. And most of those women are binging from time to time because it's so miserable to hardly be eating anything. Well, their energy levels, yeah, their energy levels are ter terrible. Very, very many of them are falling asleep fairly easy, but then they wake up at you know one to three o'clock in the morning and they can't go back to sleep for a couple of hours. That's you know typically a a um, lack of good glucose control and good metabolic flexibility and none of it is aimed at health so again when you eat healthy foods sometimes you know like alt shift is it it, it times certain macronutrients but we're not you know taking things away from anybody forever and we're not putting anybody through a period of time where they're hungry in all phases of of what we do if you're hungry you're supposed to eat and you should not be hungry and um, the, when we repair metabolisms, body fat starts to come off as your body goes, well, we don't have to, we don't have to store this. Life on earth doesn't suck anymore. Once in a while, somebody will come around and this is where we find out about their desperation levels. But once in a while, when somebody like that, who's been starving herself for a long time, starts to feed herself a bit, she'll gain one, two, maybe three pounds. It's typically never anything like five pounds, but she's weighing herself two or three times a day, you know, cause that she's got to get in that bathroom scale and find out if she's worthwhile. So she'll see that weight go up one, two, three pounds and she'll freak out and quit. And in reality, what was going on was her body wants to put that weight on cause it's in that mode. And she just basically said to herself, okay, body, I'm going to give you everything you need to be healthy this time. Instead of all the starvation and the craziness, I'm actually going to give you what you need to be healthy. And it went, prove it. I've heard that before. And so it needs a little bit of convincing. You've got to do this and stay consistent for at least a few weeks, but typically it's you know a month or more in a really broken metabolism before things start getting really good. But the good news is that energy levels usually come up fairly quickly. Hormones start to feel like they're a bit more balanced. Oftentimes, sleep starts to repair itself. So you can see all these indications that you're getting healthier. But if your mentality is, I don't care about health, make me smaller so that I can love myself, those people will jump ship. Absolutely. And, and what role does muscle play in this? Huge role. Muscle mass is... Um, for, the, for the women who are resistant to picking up a weight or only want to lift like the five pound weights, uh, just because, I mean, I get it because I was at that place. It's like, where do you even start with strength training? It, it's yeah. much easier to just get on the elliptical. Right. So why no, is it more important to, to put on the muscle mass and to spend time doing that? Well, there's no correlate, stronger correlate to health. I mean, period. It virtually any age group, especially in the elderly, you can test grip strength, which is a good, good well, it correlates well to overall strength because if you're picking things up a lot to get your overall body strength, you have to use grip oftentimes. So they can distill it down to grip strength. And every time, grip, grip strength will be t uh, correlated with lower all cause mortality. So if you're strong, you are going to live longer or you're less likely to die of, of any cause. But it also helps to control glucose. Uh, muscle mass can uptake glucose straight from the bloodstream without the presence of insulin through glucose transporter molecules, especially like, you know, right after workouts, things like that. It creates a more thermogenic state, a, a higher metabolic rate. You, know, you can see giant bodybuilders walking on treadmills to lean out for competitions, whereas the guy right next to him who is the lean runner is running like crazy and literally able to put fat on. Um, there, but overall, I mean like longevity, overall health, everything, even like, um, things like depression and, uh, anti-depression medication. I mean, there's just, there's the studies are immense, but there's typically two reasons that I know of why women don't want to lift. And I think the first one is getting less and less, but it used to be that I heard all the time, Oh, I don't want to bulk up when I actually owned a public gym women would come in and within the first half hour, virtually every one of them in some sort of assessment would say, I don't want to bulk up. I don't want to look like a man. And that one is the one that if you're still struggling with that, just hear me out. 
Have you ever, ever seen an episode of Oprah or anything where a woman was saying, I didn't listen and I lifted weights and now I look like a man and there's nothing I can do about it? No. You have seen some great big women bodybuilders typically in pictures because you, I mean, in real life, to see them in real life, I would stand in front of a crowd of, you know, a couple hundred people when I'd be speaking and I'd say, how many of you have seen a gigantic female bodybuilder in real life? And like 10 hands would go up. Most people have never even seen a really ripped, you know, big manly looking female bodybuilder. But then she worked her butt off to do that very much on purpose. Mm -hmm. And she should be beating all of you up for assuming that she got all that by accident because she stood too close to some dumbbells. She's been busting her butt in the gym for years and you're pretending that you can do that by accident. If I was her, I would be very, very mad at you. But nonetheless, and oftentimes they had to alter their hormonal profile, taking steroids and things like that. I'm not here to pass judgment. That's her sport. Do whatever you want to do. But for you to pretend that this will happen to you by accident means that you have to be able to point to somebody who did that by accident and thereby ruined themselves. And muscle mass will fall right off of you the very second you aren't maintaining it because it's very biochemically And if you do have the insane level of genetics that almost no women have that would allow you to put on enough muscle mass for you to lose your femininity without altering your hormonal profile, all you have to do is back off even slightly in the gym and you will lose some of that muscle mass. So you're basing this on a lot of misnomers. One, that muscle mass is permanent. You gain it once and you just get to keep it forever. When bodybuilders can get a cold three days out from a show and lose that competition from a cold because muscle mass will just fall off of them. And you're saying that I believe that female lives have been ruined by this, that women have bulked up and looked like men and then they were just done. They were wrecked by that. Yet I've never seen that not one time anywhere. And the examples I am trying to use are the female bodybuilders that are so rare they're like unicorns and most of us have never even seen one in real life but the fact that we know they exist because of magazines and things like that i believe that that happened to them completely by accident because they did some bicep curls all of that is just so wrong on so many levels you cannot very likely you cannot get big i mean i train I train most of my my, uh, clients that I work with in that capacity. I train them like bodybuilders. We do hypertrophy style training. It's, you know, eight to 12 reps of, of, um, you know, lifting designed to build as much muscle mass as we can. And all they get is leaner and meaner and better shaped. Yes. But um, the, the only other reason that most women won't do it is because they're intimidated. And it, you know, it's typically... I don't want to go into that side of the gym over there by those meatheads where they might judge me. And as soon as we analyze that thought process, it falls apart too. You just called them meatheads. That means there was no possible way you were inviting them over for Thanksgiving dinner. (laughs) You're saying there's people over there that I already don't like. And if I go over there, they might not like me too. And that's a problem to me. Why? I'm going to sacrifice my health and my relationship with my body because I might be disliked by people I disliked first. Mm. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense. And then what do you do? Do you, if, if you've ever been in a gym before, are you just a judgmental person like that? And, and since you're probably not, once again, we know that the people that would be that way are people who kind of suck. So why are you worried about strangers who, if they are judging you, are bad people and what you seem to already believe about them is that they're probably people that you don't like already. None of this adds up to people that you should care about. And yet you're willing to say, I guess I just won't be as healthy. I need to impress those people. Exactly. Exactly. And, and what you're saying right now is, is exactly what happened to me once I started putting on muscle back when I was starving myself and doing a lot of cardio, I would have, let's say something really worth it that came along a birthday cake or something. And I would literally see it on my body the next day. And Mm -hmm. I didn't feel like my body was resilient or, you know, was metabolically flexible. Then once I was deliberate about putting on that muscle mass, I can pretty much I mean, I choose to eat healthy foods because they make me feel great. 
uh, most of the time, but those moments where something pops up that's special and nostalgic and worth it, I'll have it. And it's really not a big deal. And all of this sort of blew my mind. Um, yeah, because it, it was something that was so foreign to me and, uh, which is why now I encourage women to, to do the same and to lift and to not be scared to eat and especially protein because that's how we maintain and stay yeah. healthy. And at the end of the day, in a perfect world, every woman out there, in my opinion, would be trying to get as heavy as she possibly could without going up in size. And that one is just so hard for so many women to wrap their head around. Yes. Like de- my client, old client, Deb Hunter, and then she ended up being a, 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 a trainer for me. She... um she started working out with me when she was just before her 50th birthday. We got her all the, all the way to a place where she had abs. She could do pull-ups and everything. She'd never been in a gym before in her life. And so she had a bunch of women that were following her on Facebook. They're just like, this woman's amazing. Well, she was in a size four jeans. She was weighing about, she was about 5'2", about 135 pounds, which if you think about it, a lot of women at 5'2 want to be lighter than that. But she had abs, so it was hard to argue with. And then she said, I'm going to try to get as heavy as I can without leaving my size four jeans. And like a third of the women that followed her Quit following her. They're like, oh my God, she's nuts. Even <laughs> though course. she said, she said size four. Yes. Like I'm going to be the same size, but I'm going to try to get as heavy as I can. And they were like, you're nuts. As if when we look at people, we can see their weight and not their size. Like the size isn't what matters. People are going to come over and pick me up a lot. So I need to be, yeah. be light. <laughs> exactly. She, she got up to 158 pounds at 5'2", and she still fit in her um, in her uh, size four jeans. She was beefy. She had put on quite a bit of muscle. She looked fantastic, though. Her husband loved it. But, um, but I mean, there you go. I mean, she put on that much muscle mass and stayed that tight and dense. So, you know, I've seen situations countless times. I mean, we've dealt with them in my coaching even recently where, you know, uh, but to go way back, back in a past life when I worked in a big box gym and we were forced to take measurements of people all the time, I remember a couple of different occasions where especially younger women would come in and go, oh my gosh, look, my pants are falling off of me. And they'd be tugging at their waistline. You know, you've got an extra inch, couple inches there. And they're just like, this is so amazing. And then they'd get on the scale and they'd be like two pounds heavier and they'd instantly be in tears. Yeah. And it's like, I, what, what do you, do you think that you've got a lot of rickety bridges to cross? Yeah. You're paying me to make you smaller, not lighter. But you've literally been you've literally been saying humans look at each other and we can see the size and shape of things. But I use the scale to determine whether or not I'm making progress at things you can see, not weigh. And I've been doing this for so long that I forgot that I originally got on the scale to see if I looked better. And so now women will go, oh, I think my clothes are fitting me looser. I need to go get on the scale. That's insanity. That's completely backwards. You would get on the scale to get an idea of maybe whether or not you might be getting smaller, but it's not really entirely true all the time because of body composition changes and things like that. But to go weigh yourself to see if you're smaller when you've got proof, my pants are too big now, which means I'm smaller, which means the part that people can see is working. I need to go get on the scale to see if it's all true. That's crazy. You can't, anybody listening to this that, that has never thought about the, about that this way, you need to change that today. Your bathroom scale is not doing, you've never had somebody show up to pick you up for a blind date and be like, wow, you might be kind of cute. Can you jump on that scale so I can know for sure? (laughs) Literally never. Yeah. (laughs) It's that's, that's, that's insanity. Stop doing it. Stop looking at your body and going, I think I might look better. And then judging that by gravity's effect on you. That doesn't make sense. And at some point, the scale in everybody's journey, at some point, the scale will betray them. Every single person, if I take you from wherever you're at now to peak health, at some point, at least one or two measurements on your body, maybe it's not for a couple of years from now, maybe it's right away, but at some point, at least a couple of measurements on your body will get smaller while the scale either doesn't move or it goes up. And that will happen to every woman at some point. Mark my words. 
Yes. And it is okay if, if that happens. And, you know, it's I think. It's not only okay, it's great. That's yes. what you should want because it means now you're going to live longer. Now exactly. you're healthier. Now all of your markers of health are likely better. So you, that should be what you're shooting for. You should want every week to have your pants be looser and the scale be higher, literally higher every week. If you want to think about this from a purely scientific perspective. Yeah. And I love that message. And I encourage women to, you know, maybe use the scale every once in a while for a a data point, like you said, uh, but not as the ultimate decider of their mood that day, which is what many women go through. Um, One more question that I wanted to ask you before uh, we get off of our recording is talking about your daughters and the way that parents can develop, help develop a healthy body image, a healthy self-image and healthy, you know, habits in terms of movement and eating for, for kids. Because I hear from so many women whose daughters are gaining weight and they don't feel confident and they're completely lost. And then they end up restricting their food and it turns into this whole big, big mess. Yeah. Um, the only way that you can do this is through example. What you're going to, to, I mean, you need to talk to your kids and educate them incessantly. But what you're going, what I mean by that is what you're going to force on them is going to end up having almost no effect. Um, if you just don't let them have junk food because you just don't let them have junk food, they're just going to grow up and go have junk food whenever they, they want to get it and whenever they can afford it. That, um, that, that won't work. If your kids know that there isn't junk food in the house because you don't eat that way. Because you don't treat yourself that way. Because you are extremely valuable and you deserve better. And that those things need to be rare treats when flavor is not your only reason for having them. When there's a bigger reason here. Like having wedding cake at somebody's wedding who is very dear to you and that person really wants you to have their wedding cake with them. Rather than just, hmm, I can get away with having cake right now. I bet I could I bet I could have this and it would be okay. This is kind of rare. But when you're teaching your kids that you eat the way you eat and thereby they have to eat the way they that you eat because they don't do the shopping, that this isn't about you forcing them to eat things. This is about you feeding yourself the way you deserve to be treated. They will pick that up. The world is going to put junk food in front of them. They're probably going to have some instances in their life where they have a lot of it, maybe for a, a, an extended period of time. But when you are that person that they can go, mom is freaking awesome. Mom's the person who I want to ask advice of. Mom's got it together. Mom's the person I want to emulate and be like because she loves herself, she's confident, and she makes good decisions with her life. And you show them how to eat that way, they will do it too. But typically what I see is women who despise their bodies pretending that their kids will be okay because they simply don't say anything in front of their kids. And that's that, that I'm telling you right now, that will have almost no effect. Dislike your body and never tell your kids that you dislike it and they will still pick it up. They will yes. still figure it out. So what you need to do is talk to them. Talk to them incessantly. If this has been a struggle for you, talk to them right now and go, I've spent most of my life at war with my body. I don't want that for you, but I don't want it for me anymore either. So I'm trying to change for the right reasons now. I'm not trying to change the way my body looks. That was the old me. And what I'm doing now might, might produce some changes in the way my body looks. It, it, I, I might end up looking better, but I, in the end, I don't really care. I want to be healthier and happier. And most importantly, I want to have a better relationship with my body. And I want to explain all these things. The years. It took me four years at this place where going, I would have just apparently the whole time. And so now I want you to think about it differently. But here's the real problem with this. You, and this is, it would be the same way that you would talk to a, a spouse or you know, a, a partner who, who uh, maybe doesn't really want to be super supportive. Typically, the reason why they don't want to be super supportive is, well, I mean, if your relationship's codependent, then they probably don't want to be super supportive because they don't want you to get better than them. But in, in many relationships, more, more often than not, when a, when a spouse isn't supportive, it's because they're tired of this. They're tired of this same mess. 
You are once again going to try to change the way your body looks and they're th- and they're thinking to themselves and it's not even a problem for me. I think you're beautiful, but you just won't listen to me. So you decide to discount my opinions and freak out about how you look and I don't want to go through all this rigmarole with you again. It never works. But when you stop and say the same thing that you say to your kids in this situation and you go, this isn't about that this time. This time, I really want to get healthy and, and do this for the right reasons. The big problem that most women will have with that is that you absolutely must mean it because they will know. If they see you changing clothes 10 times, they, they're going to go, okay, well, she doesn't get to say that again. She doesn't get to use this excuse again. It's not about her trying to get healthier. She's still just hating the way she looks. So usually these kinds of conversations happen for the women that I work with after I've been working with them for a little while. They have to get to a place where they're finding those intrinsic motivations, that internal locus of control, and they truly are turning that corner. Because if they're not, then and they're just lying to themselves, they may in that moment believe that it's all true, but their, their loved ones will pick up on it either consciously or subconsciously, and they won't ever be able to use those excuses again. So like Sarah Fragoso used to say, put your own oxygen mask on first, like in the airplane, before you help anybody else. And then the biggest way you need to help them is always going to be by example. People will emulate you, emulate people that you believe are awesome. Not people that you believe are insecure, dislike themselves, and are just trying to survive life rather than thrive through it. So be awesome, love yourself, do this stuff for the right reasons, and then explain to them what the difference is and why you want that for them. And then talk to them always about it, incessantly. Every new thing you learn, tell them. But if it ever looks like you're doing it because you need your pants size to be smaller so you can increase your value in your own eyes you will lose them. I love all of that so much. And it's such a great place to end um, because that goes back to not only helping your kids, but helping yourself as well in the process, which is, which is really beautiful. Um, It's been such a pleasure and an honor to, to talk to you today. And I can't thank you enough for, for taking the time to, to come on my show. Um, Let the listeners know how they can find you online, if they can work with you. And I would love if you could talk a little bit about your books as well. Yeah, sure. Uh, You can get Body Beliefs on uh, Amazon. There are only hard copies or, well, paperback copies, but no, there's, I have an audio version, but it's been absorbed into a coaching program that I do. Right at this exact moment, um, uh, AltShift isn't available to just go out and buy. I've, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to make that available with body beliefs because I, frankly, I just don't want to sell a diet anymore. I don't want to tell people, here's a list of rules, go out there and, and, and lose weight and then regain it again because that'll be good for you. Um, so I, you know, I'm trying to get all of the information out there. I, um, I have a coaching program, coaching community and, uh, and, uh, course and all that, that, that were basically, I can help you for the rest of your life. If, if you want you set up so that you pay me one time and then you're able to work with me for as long as it takes. That's called convergent fat loss. If anybody's interested in that, the way to, to get, uh, information about that is to have a conversation with me. So you can go to jasonsibe.com, watch the case study video that is linked right there in the middle of the first page, my landing page at jasonsibe.com. And then if that information resonates with you, then you can click on the button below that video and get on my schedule and we'll have a conversation and see if we're a fit. Um, otherwise, uh, I have a podcast called the alt shift podcast. You can find that on iTunes and stitcher. Um, and, uh, you can get on my email list, which if you go to, um, to jasonsibe.com and you click on that button to get on, um, uh, or to watch the, um, the, uh, value video, the, the case study video, you'll be able to, to see, um, you'll be, there's an opportunity there for you to, to leave me your email address, but on iTunes or Stitcher, alt shift podcast, you can get on there and I will, I, I also will, you know, blast those things out occasionally by email. So I don't know. I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not the most easily accessible guy to just run out and buy something that I produce because results are very important to me. I'm not yes. just willing to just hand over information and watch people blow it. I did that for too long. Mm-hmm. So you've kind of got to buy enough from me that I can be, 
you know, assured that I've at least given you enough to actually succeed. Uh, whether or not you succeed is obviously going to require your input too, but I, I'm not, I'm not willing to give you part of the information, um, anymore. So, uh, my, my ethics have, have made it so that, um, there's only a handful of ways right now where you can get to me, but all of it's at jasonseib.com. My last name is spelled S E I B. So Jason, J A S O N S E I B.com. Perfect. And I'll put all of that in the show notes for this episode. And yeah, Jason sends awesome emails that are thought provoking and, you know, in a world where we can get tons of protocols, like by just Googling um, or tons of diet books out there. I just want to, you know, acknowledge you for the work that you do. Um, very, very similar to my work. And I hope there's more of us out there and that uh, the message just gets out there more and more with, you know, topics of self-love and, and mindset and, and starting there. Yeah, it's a hard change. sell. It is. It is. But, people people love uh, lose 30 pounds in, in a month. Um, yep. But um, but yeah, thank you again, Jason, for coming on. No problem. Thank you for having me. It was my pleasure.